Our text today comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 1 through 3 and 14 through 25. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness and put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. I spent a lot of time at my maternal grandparents' house as a child. My grandparents raised six children, and since I'm only seven years younger than their youngest child, it was more like they had seven children. One of the things I remember most clearly about my time living with them was the way they seemed to make everything work. There were so many people in that tiny three-bedroom ranch that we ate in the modified laundry room until most of the kids had moved out. What was the laundry room had been made, or what was the dining room had been made into a bedroom, you see. So many children were there in our home. But I have fond memories of the short hallway between the living room and the laundry room, for it was lined with all kinds of art. Prints and embroidery samplers and knickknacks mostly. One sampler was a large piece of muslin with an embroidered house, and someone had stitched part of verse 15 from this passage. At the top of the tea-colored cloth, it said, Choose this day whom you will serve. And at the bottom, 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One of my most treasured possessions remaining from my late in-laws is a platter that has the second half of the above verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It sits in the middle of my dining room table season after season, where it has been for almost a decade. It reminds me daily of what I find most stirring about Joshua's speech here. He reminds his people of the goodness of God and then leaves it up to them to decide what to do. As my former therapist used to say, it's a real risk and a real choice. This election comes at an apt point in our lives as Americans, especially since it seems we too are on the cusp of a transfer of power in our national government. When I feel anxious about all that's happening around me, I like to come back to this critical point in the life of Israel. I'm not sure how familiar most of us are with the contents of the book of Joshua, but today's text comes at the tail end of the last chapter. The first 12 chapters record the conquest of the land of promise. Chapters 13 through 21 discuss the ways the land would be divided within the nation of Israel. Chapter 22 details the near civil war happening in the land when the Transjordanian tribes made an altar on the way back from spending time with their leader, which is Joshua, which then enraged the other tribes. Finally, war is averted when they explain their altar isn't meant for sacrifice, but rather just a memorial. In chapters 23 and 24, we have the account of Joshua's final days. Chapter 23 tells the story of the way Joshua begins to say goodbye to the people he has led for his adult life. Remember, Joshua was one of the 12 spies sent to do reconnaissance on Moses' order, one of only two who believed the Israelites would be able to take the land. When Moses was dying, he tapped Joshua to lead the people to take and settle the land. As the leader of Israel, Joshua defeated 31 kings and spent seven years dividing the land among the 12 tribes of Israel and allocating land to each family within it. He was the second link in the transmission of the Torah between Moses, who came before him, and the judges who came after. In chapters 23 and 24, then, Joshua is giving his final admonitions and goodbyes to the people he has led for the greatest part of his life. In chapter 23, Joshua gives praise to the Holy One for conquering the land and warns the people of the dangers of intermarriage and idolatry. In chapter 24, Joshua is going to recount a brief history of Israel, the missing portion of which you should read if you have some time this afternoon, because it is rich and long. And he sets up a choice for them. Remember, he had been their leader for 40 years. Joshua had taken them from barren wilderness into the land overflowing with milk and honey. Joshua was the link between Egypt and freedom. He was there through the intervening years for formation and nation-making. It is at this point that we enter today's text. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, and the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. This is a critical point of entry. 
Joshua begins by reminding the people that there was a day before they lived in the land of abundance. There was a day when they were landless. There was a day that they were slaves. There was a day that they had no power. There was a day when they fled the powers that were, trying to carve out a life for themselves in the harshness of the desert. Joshua reminded them that their heritage was as those who are outsiders, not the people of abundance they now knew themselves to be. The text goes on, Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods your ancestors served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua then reminded the people that once they served other gods, not the God of Israel, he reminded them that they were not always monotheists, but rather served local gods and household gods and other gods entirely than the one who led them into this land through Moses. Then Joshua reminds them of the moment they became a nation, when God sent the plagues and parted the sea and led the people to the relative safety of the desert. In those 40 years hence, the people had known peace and prosperity, not perfect, but relative. And Joshua wants them to remember their origins. And now he sets before them a choice. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There it is, a real risk and a real choice. To choose to serve the Lord above other gods is to do something contrary to what their families of origin had done. To choose to serve the Lord above other gods was to choose something their friends and neighbors might not choose with them. Joshua tells them they have other options, other places they may go, but as for him, he will serve the Lord until his death, which comes at the end of this chapter, of course. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God." Emboldened, perhaps, by Joshua's assertion, the people recount God's work on their behalf. They agree to honor the God of Israel, too. But Joshua doubles down. You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Joshua tells them the seriousness of the situation, what God will do if they forsake the promise they are making. In essence, he is saying to them, don't make a rash emotional decision that you're not willing to back up with action. This God is jealous not to be forsaken and there are serious consequences to your decision. It almost goes without saying, for some of those alive would have remembered the flight from Egypt and the death and destruction at the Red Sea. They would have remembered how one moment of anger on Moses' part meant he would not be allowed to lead them into the land of promise, 
but would rather be buried in the desert. They should have known that this was a deadly serious decision. Still, they say they will serve the Lord. And then Joshua throws down the gauntlet. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they say, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Joshua tells them he knows of their transgressions, the hidden idols they have secreted away. He knows they have divided loyalties and tells them to turn instead to the God of Israel, their God, who has brought them to this place of prosperity. The people's own actions testify against them. They're clinging to national deities and family deities and personal deities, the idols of the land they have brought to their faith. They don't fully trust the God of Israel because they need something of the promise of abundance found outside their faith as a security and a backup. I wonder how that might resonate with us. I wonder what idols we need to cast down so that we may serve God more fully. I wonder if we are willing to make the choice the Israelites are making in this text. The people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. For the third time, the people promised to serve and obey the Holy One of Israel. This time, apparently, Joshua took them at their word. He had given them all the information, given them an out, recounted their history, and set before them the ways of life and death. They agreed that God was to be their God, and so Joshua cut a covenant with them at Shechem. I know it's a real risk to choose this day whom you will serve. I know it's a real choice, too. If we choose to serve God above the idols in our lives, whether they be comfort or nationalism or wealth or relationships or anything else, it may feel like all our security has been stripped away. Joshua warned the people that choosing to serve the Lord but was not easy, but it was at least for him right. The cost of discipleship is often high. Being remade is slow and often arduous work. It certainly lasts a lifetime. The good news is that God is right there with us, helping us along, whispering comfort and peace to our weary hearts. The good news is that God is always doing a new thing, and at any time we may choose to participate in the world God is reshaping. It's a real risk and a real choice. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.